At Huntington, we've been asking ourselves, can we make saving money any easier? And we think we've solved it. Introducing Money Scout. It analyzes your spending habits, income, and expenses to find money not being used in your checking account, then pushes it to savings automatically. Why would a bank do that? Just to help people thrive. That's how we reinvent banking. Huntington, welcome. Subject to eligibility, terms, conditions, and account agreements. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash Money Scout. There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. According to StopBullying.gov, quote, about 20% of students ages 12 to 18 experienced bullying nationwide. Additionally, students 12 to 18 who reported being bullied said that they thought those who bullied them either had the ability to influence other students' perception of them, had more social influence, or physically larger or stronger, or had more money. These numbers don't include those who are bullies themselves. As research shows, bullies are the targets of some form of abuse also. In effect, passing on a vicious cycle of hate and shame. Low self-esteem, a treacherous home life, at times even mental disorders or birth defects may help contribute in creating a bully from an otherwise normal kid. It's the age-old nature versus nurture argument. As cyberbullying becomes even more prevalent, we should take bullying more seriously. At least for the sake of four-year-old Derek Robbie, who met his fate one summer afternoon at the hands of a teenager throwing a tantrum. All right, welcome guys. If you're new here and this is your first time, I put all my sources for tonight's episode on talkmurder.com. You can click the blog post that is number 218. That is the episode tonight. So, uh, and I'll put a link in the show notes below. So you just click that and go and see the photos for tonight's story. All right. So tonight we are dedicating a shot to one of our YouTubers, YouTube fans, YouTuber from Ireland. Does she also listen to us regularly or just Yeah, she's a regular listener. Cool. And she sends us love from Ireland. Thank you, White Rabbit. Thank you for the love. From the homeland. What county are you from? So I told her that I would dedicate tonight's shot to her. So uh, that's what we're doing. All right. Take it away, Jen. Surprise shot. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Me thinks it's tequila in the margarita mix. It was. It was a little margarita shooter. Nice. I liked that, actually. That was a good pre-made. And tonight is a story that you probably haven't heard and or you haven't heard anyone else do. Probably because it's really tragic and Aww. depressing. Well, okay. <laughs> we'll make it through. Guys, I'm going to need your thoughts and prayers for the next 40 days because I gave up beer for Lent. So if this is sad and depressing, I, I'm going to have to do something else. Maybe some wine. I don't know. Yeah, let's let's not fret, guys. She didn't give up hard liquor or wine. Just beer. So fear not. But that is a tough challenge. I know how much you love your beer, Jen. All right, so tonight we are going to New York. And we're going to Savannah, which is a village in Steuben County in New York. Population 827. You don't really think about New York as having that small of a population. The population was 827 at the 2010 census, which the story tonight had, what I say, 847? It's a small town. Eight, no, it had 974 in 1993. So I don't know where that hundred and something people went, but they're not there anymore. So this village is right above the Pennsylvania border in mid-state New York, southern mid-state New York, a very small village. And also, before we start, I want to say thank you so much for all you people that subscribe to 
the new podcast that I'm producing called Among the Dirt and Trees. I don't know if you've uh, listened to the last episode of that, but Brianne, the host, she talks about how you can enter to win all this camping gear. She's calling the promotion the Surviving Nature Giveaway. And I think it's like 300 something dollars worth of camping gear bundled up into that. It's a pretty nice deal. It's a really nice deal. There's an Osprey, I think that's how you say it, Osprey Day Pack, the uh, camper day pack. There's some sort of camel. Camelback. Camelback. It's not a camelback. It's like some camel bottle or whatever. There's like um, some other camping stuff in there to get you going, like uh, carabiners and stuff like that. But it's the essential stuff that you might need to survive in the woods. So if you want to check out that contest, go and listen to Among the Dirt and Trees podcast. The last episode that was put out, I believe that was episode four, Brianne talks about the giveaway at the very end of the episode, and you can go and sign up for that, and you got a really good chance of winning that because you can do multiple entries. Love it. All right, so tonight we are going to Tuesday, August 3rd, 1993. The event today actually happened the day before, but since we're starting with a newspaper headline, it's the next day. Got it. This is Savannah, the official population, 974, and this is from the Star Gazette, Elmira, New York. Savona boy four found dead in wooded area. State police termed death suspicious. So this really isn't one of the most feel-good cases, but this happened August 2nd, 1993. That's when the body was found. It's a four-year-old boy. This was at 3.45 p.m. when he was found. He's found about three blocks away from his house, and we're going to go over like where he lives in the neighborhood and stuff like that. He was walking by himself, going to summer recreational camp they had set up like three blocks down the road. He didn't come back. His mother got worried, and immediately the search helicopters and dogs, they even had a, this case, they even used minesweepers like the military minesweepers to look for metal and stuff like that. It was like a whole bunch of stuff. Anyway, big search party. The search party finds them at 3.45 p.m. So about three and a half hours later, they find his body. And it's in the wooded area three blocks away from his house. It's interesting that, well, maybe it's because of his age, how quickly they reacted. Because I feel like even back then... I mean, it's a four-year-old. Exactly. Though. Like, I wonder if that's why yeah, they, definitely. they were so fast. Yeah, it's fast. the same with the Amber Alerts now. Yeah. You know, how do you turn them things off, by the way? I don't think you can. <laughs> you you can turn oh, off really? the noise. You can't turn off the Amber Alert, oh, okay. but you can turn off, like, the noises for it. Yeah, so the Amber Alerts, when it's a small child... Like, I feel like you get them things immediately. Like, I got one the other day, or you guys probably did too, but it was that, uh, that it was, I think it was like three or four year old. But then I went and looked in the computer and she was found. You know, they, I mean, they those should things do work. That. They should actually do a- Do more of it, you mean? No, no. They should do another text back and be like, oh, don't worry, she's found or whatever. It's just, you know, leaving people in suspense. Yeah, that's a good point. They should do that. I should write somebody. Who should I write to do that? Your representative? Because she was found, this girl I'm talking about, not this story night tonight, but like last week there was Amber Alert and I looked it up and this little girl was found a few hours later and it would have been nice to get that text or that another alert, you know, because I've been like, sweet. I mean, it's pretty cool that it works, you know, it's a, yeah. it is a great, I mean, I know that they can scare the bejesus out of you when the alert comes through if, kind of similar like the weather warnings like holy cow when those things come through it's like ooh, yeah man got electrocuted all right so august 2nd 1993 there's a boy's body found in in the slightly wooded area off mccoy street in a vacant lot the photo i put right there is of the uh, police searching that specific spot that's the actual crime scene so it was at this like little abandoned house yes it's about abandoned a uh, lake, a uh, vacant lot hmm. on McCoy Street. So it's, I, and I'll show you a better map of the place here in a second, but it's right by his house. His house is two and a half blocks over. Because a lot of people were like, well, why is a four year old walking by himself? Yeah, but 
four is really young to be walking by themselves. I know. A lot of people are like, why is a four-year-old walking by himself? <laughs> Didn't we talk about this during another episode? Didn't we talk about how, like, what could a four... It was like when some a four-year-old, like, left their house in the middle of the night. Remember? Huh? Didn't we talk about that? I thought it was I thought it was the one where the girl came out of the apartment complex with the tricycle that was in front. Oh yeah, Navia. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't think she was four. She was six, I think. Yeah, she was older than that. I'm, I'm just like four but is still, really young. Yeah, it is really like young. my nephew is somewhere around there. I think he's five. five. Yeah. I mean, so I can just picture him walking by himself. But then again, the mother and I'm not trying to throw shade on the mother or whatever, but she, oh well, what she told, uh, what she told detectives about letting him walk by himself because she did catch heat for that. He has a two-year-old son, the boy, the victim tonight, or two-year-old brother, sorry, and you know he's being really fussy. And not only that, there's thirty or forty other kids walk into the recreational camp by the house. You know, like all, I mean, it's a daily thing. They always walk there. It's like vacation Bible school or vocation Bible school. What is it called? Vacation Bible school. Yeah, it's like vacation Bible school. So you, they're literally walking a few blocks. But then again, he is four together, years old. Together in a group. Well, no. Mm-hmm. No, not together. I know it's a little young to be walking. It's dude. so I, yeah. young. Yeah. I you mean, you need to be supervised at all times when you're that age. I mean, I'm, yeah. I, like, even if you're in the, in the same house, you should at least be a room away so you can peep in and watch the kid. You know? Well, the story from her is that the two-year-old was being really fussy, and so... You mean the sibling? The sibling. Okay. The two-year-old brother of the victim was being really fussy, so the mom's like, okay, just go, you know. That's so I, hard. I, I mean, she oh. probably... I mean, but also, it's a, it was 1993. It's yeah. not nearly like... I mean, it feels like today's world feels really more dangerous. It's a small town, too, man. I yeah, mean, 974 yeah. people. I guess I could see that, too. It's, uh, yeah, so where he was found almost reminds me of, have you seen the movie The Sandlot? Where yes. that, uh, a long time ago. Yeah, so that uh, little baseball, the, yeah, the, the one they play out, mm-hmm. it looks almost the same. I don't know. Anyway, let's get on with it. So this is four-year-old Derek Robbie who you're looking at right now, if you want to describe oh, him. Precious. He's got a he fish. He looks like he could be like a child movie star. He's so cute. Yeah. And that's a really good photo, too. It's kind of high definition for 1993. I'll put all these photos on talkmurder.com, so go there and you can see the victim tonight. This is Derek Robbie, and Robbie is spelled R-O-B-I-E instead of the two Bs. He is from 33 Church Street. So his uncle Dean says, quote, he was an ordinary boy, just like everyone else's kids. He lived about three blocks away from where his body was found. And he went missing when he didn't show up for his morning recreation meeting. All these kids, I think there were like 67 kids, I believe, in this little recreation thing. They met there every morning. He didn't show up. And then... He was supposed to be home right after 11. He didn't show up. The mother calls, and the search for him started at 11.04, so right after they got the call. And the search party fans out. They find him pretty quick. At 3.45, they find his body. All right, so this next picture is another photo of him, just kind of oh, really... Little headband. I know, man. This He's is really a cute sad. kid. Yeah. He is the son of Dell and Doreen Robbie. He has one younger brother, and there was two at the time. So let's see, 1993. So they were 89. So yeah, if he was four in 93, he was born in 89, or maybe late 88. No, what about the so the his brother is your age? Yeah, 91. Yeah, 91. So Derek loved to play basketball and soccer with his uncle. And in fact, his uncle played ball with him last night. That's what he tells the Star Gazette. His mother said he loved playing t-ball, and he was starting kindergarten at Savannah Campbell Central School in the fall. So this kid's not even been to kindergarten. Four years old. Who the hell is going to kill, you know? Man. There's just some really shitty people out there. I don't, like, you know? Yeah. Man. I feel like with child murderers, there's a better slash worse term than shitty. Like, that's just, it's 
it's despicable, it's reprehensible, it's abhorrent. Those are better words than shitty. So a little more about Derek. This is from the babysitter right here, Tammy Allen. This is what she says about Derek. He was a great kid and he loved to play baseball, she said. He was always wanting me to go out and play baseball with him. It hit me real hard. I didn't get to sleep at all last night. They didn't find the killer until seven days later. And one of the things about this case is it's such a small town. I know like every crime story we go through, at least I see this all the time, where everyone goes out and they buy locks and they start locking their door and the parents are not letting their kids leave. But 974 people, that's really small. So it's like either you know there was saying? a total random drifter who was happened to be passing through the town, which is unlikely, or it was one of their own. One of their own who which like was familiar with yeah. the kid, maybe because not, out of nine hundred seventy four people, that's you know. Oof. I mean, that's smaller than the high school I work at. That's what I'm saying. That's nothing. You could it's you can memorize everyone's names. Not even not half, really, but not well, even maybe. half the population. So you could like do you know how um, certain crimes that we've covered? I think the um, what's the one with the bridge? The, the we were just talking about the two Libby and Delphi Bridge. Yeah, thank you. Didn't they like swab everybody in the town or something like that? Or they were making like in this type of case, you could do, do that. Yeah, you know? but you can't make you can't do a dragnet and then make people give their DNA. That's another thing that makes this, our system so beautiful is. They can't just come and force you to give your DNA or whatever, you know, unless. Unless like, you're a suspect. No, 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 not even a suspect. If you're a suspect, you you can, you don't have to give them your DNA. Now, if they invite you in for a smoke and a coffee, you better take the, the cigarette butt and the cup because they'll just get the DNA off that. Ah. Yeah, but they can't actually force you to give DNA okay, unless okay. they get a court order signed by a judge. And that is only... For like, remember Ted Bundy? They actually drug his ass to the dentist yes, to get his teeth molded. So that they forced him to do that. There was a judge that says, "You will get this done because of the teeth imprint." Yeah, because he has such a had, unique yeah. uh, bite. Look at you! I forgot about all this. Yeah, so they can't force you unless. So if they do a dragnet, yeah, it's suspicious as hell. If someone's like, "No, nah, I don't want to," but honestly, like I would say that I don't want to. That's my right. But then again, like I wouldn't, if they're looking at me, then they're turned ass backwards anyway, kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. All right. So Derek's nine-year-old friend and neighbor across the street says this about him. He says, quote, Derek wouldn't run off like that. And then he says, quote, I'm not going out of my yard for a couple of years until I learn how to fight, end quote. <laughs> I never heard that before. Like, I mean, he's a nine-year-old kid. He's saying uh, he's scared to go out of his house until he learns how to fight. Mm, it's kind of yeah. sad. So let's talk about the cause of death. Head injuries from a blunt instrument. Fingerprints were found. And from the autopsy, his body revealed severe head injuries, including multiple skull fractures and cerebral swelling and contusions. Extensive tearing and bleeding of tissues in the chest, a perforation of the intestinal wall, and pinpoint hemorrhages on the neck, face, and eyes, indicative of asphyxiation. The cause of death was actually determined to be blunt trauma to the head, but also paired with asphyxiation. So both I don't think they can make an exact, okay, like he died cause, from yeah. the head or because it was so close together. What was, what do you make of the intestines thing? What, what happened? With yeah, that? I'll read that again. Perforation of the intestinal wall and pinpoint hemorrhages to the neck. So perforation is a hole that is bored into his body using something, so... So some stabbing as well, perhaps? But not, oh, it's, well, he no. was impaled with something. Maybe he fell on a sharp rock. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to talk about that. All right, so what you're reading now is from the Star Gazette, August 10th, 1993, if you want to read these two headlines for me. Teen admits he killed four-year-old Savona boy. 
13-year-old boy charged with second-degree murder. So is this is he now the youngest? How old was the Call no. of God one? The youngest oh, killer. Yeah. We've talked about. That that kid was 13. No, he was 15. So this is now the youngest killer that, that we've, we've talked, talked about? about. The youngest killer I've heard of was nine. Wow. But yeah, that's a I don't know if it's the youngest we talked about. So a 13-year-old boy charged with second degree murder. Meaning there was no intent. Yeah, I think they were charging him second degree murder because he was 13 year old. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, let me talk about exactly what happened. Seven days after they find Derek's body, a local teen who is well known confesses after his own family pokes holes in his testimonial about what happened that day. This kid was going to the recreational camp too. In fact, he was already there and he got kicked out for the day for causing a disturbance. So he is on his way back to his place from the recreation. And he's upset about what happened during the Yeah, day. he's pretty upset about it because he got kicked out for that day. He was causing a disturbance. He's 13 years old. He's riding his BMX back, and that's where he sees the four-year-old Derek Robbie walking towards the recreational center. Do we know what kind of disturbance he caused? No, I couldn't find that exactly. They just said he was being bad. That's all they said on that. So police initially interviewed all the kids at the recreation center. No one's seen them, this, that, and the other. And even the 13-year-old that we're going to talk about here in a second says he didn't see them at but all. But they knew that he was kicked out of school. Exactly. And he matter. knew that timeline. And they weren't really pressuring him at first, but the family started to poke holes in the story and said, okay, let's have the police come back and talk to you again, see if we can get a clearer story. That's what happened. And with the second story, he said he did see Derek Robbie at 9.15. Okay. Now, he, he, he's a 13-year-old kid, and he probably didn't know this, but even back in 1993, they can be pretty accurate in telling when someone passed away to the minute. You know, based on the humidity of the day and, and where the body was. Especially because they found him so quickly. Exactly. Right? So they actually had his cause of death at 9.20 a.m. So if this kid's saying he sees him at 9.15 a.m. Now he's the last person to see him alive. By five minutes. So not only that, there was other things too. So I'm, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this kid in a second. But when he tells police that he did see Derek Robbie he could describe exactly what clothes he's wearing. He could describe exactly what was in his lunch bag, all kinds of stuff to the detail. Here's the thing. This killer wears these big glasses. And for two weeks, he hasn't had his glasses. They've been broken. So for him to be able to tell in detail the clothes of the, the victim was wearing, even though the victim was apparently across the street, that was another suspicious thing. Well, you can only know that if you're right up front in person. And are you, how many like kids' outfits are you really going to remember? You know, like if you're just someone's walking across the street, you're not going to be able to remember what they were really wearing in detail. So, there's a little bit about the kid. His name is Eric Smith. And if you want to read this, it's from the Star Gazette. There's two conflicting sides I saw here. One says he's this bully and he picks on everyone. The other one, is the opposite view that he's a really good kid. He smiles a lot. He's funny. He's nice, kind, but he does get picked on. He is bullied himself. So there's two kind of sides with this case. And we're going to talk about that in here in a second, but this is from the Star Gazette. He was a really sweet kid, but there was just something about him that wasn't right, said Sarah Farnsworth, a 20-year-old recreation program counselor who knew Smith since he was in kindergarten. Friends and neighbors said Smith was hyperactive, had a bad temper, and was quick to fight. Smith had flunked the fourth grade and hung around with younger students. He had a reputation as a tough guy and would bully younger children, said Roy Elliott, 40, whose son was Smith's friend. You know, I'll show you the picture of him now. He's still alive. He looks exactly like... I mean, he's around our age. Seth Green. No, he'd be around your no, age. No, Seth Green, the redhead. Uh, yeah! He does look like Seth Green now. I'll show you a picture here in a second. But um, yeah, so this is Eric Smith. He is 
I think he's my age he's now. He's a ginger. He is a ginger, yeah. He's got big wiry glasses. Yeah, they're like drugstore glasses. Yeah, they're wire rim glasses held together by tape. <laughs> he looks even younger than 13 in this. Yeah. Well, Don't you think? Well, in this picture, he may be 14 because he was 14 when he got tried. But this happened when he was 13. He 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 looks, to, to me, he looks like he's like eight or nine years old. I don't know. Maybe I'm just bad at that. So I'll put this photo on talkmore.com. He is a redhead, very redheaded, a galaxy of fre- freckles on his face. I mean, a lot of, you know, that's usual. Yeah. But he's got these big wire glasses. And I mean, he looks like a- They're a, like almost aviator shaped glasses, yeah. you know? I mean, he doesn't look like an evil kid. No, at I, all. No, I would not have. Expected he doesn't look like a bully all. either. No, you know, I mean, th- he almost looks like the kid off the Christmas story. Yeah, or Jonathan Lipnicki. Yeah, I don't know hair. who that is. Who's that? Stuart Little. He was in Stuart Little. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at this guy now, I mean, obviously the photo here is of him frowning and stuff, but he doesn't really look like a bully. And he got made fun of. In fact, he was bullied because the shape he was of a his ginger. Uh, well, that too, and the shape of his ears, plus. He didn't know who his biological dad was, that kind of thing, you know. At least I have a dad kind of shit. I hate that kids are so mean about that stuff. I know he killed a child, too, but man. Yeah. All right, so Eric Smith, he is redhead, like I said. In school, he played the trombone. He dreamed of playing in a country western band, but I don't know. He loved Garth Brooks. I'm more of an Alan Jackson I was going to say, who was it that you were in the fan club for? All right, so he dreamed of playing in a country western band. He was a baseball player, and he rode his BMX everywhere. I did see some accounts of him bullying. I saw a lot of accounts of that, actually. And I also saw a lot of accounts saying that he was a great kid, a normal kid. And he was held back. If you want to read this, this is from the Daily News, 16th of August. Before Eric Smith was charged with second-degree murder, there was nothing very extraordinary about him. Residents paint contradictory pictures, alternatively describing him as a victim of children's taunts and a bully, a show-off and a withdrawn loner, a poor student who flunked the fourth grade, a lackluster ball player with a, and a talented drummer who loved Garth Brooks. Eric smoked and swore and flirted. Mostly people remember seeing him ride his BMX bike alone. If there was anything extraordinary about Eric, it was his fiery red hair and the forest of freckles that blanketed his cherubic face. With an intense stare behind wire-framed glasses held together with tape, he looked more like a child chess prodigy than a child murderer. Yeah, I mean, this guy... That's a great way to describe what he he looks like, yeah. So obviously the police didn't suspect him at first. They didn't suspect any of the kids, really. No, you would think I that mean, if a like a yeah. child doesn't usually hurt, I mean, they hurt another child, but who's going to kill another yeah. child? I so, mean, I have a question though. But if he had, if Derek had points of asphyxiation on his on his neck and like the hemorrhages, can they kind of measure like the size of the hands? What do you mean? No, like, he he admitted to doing this. I think Jen's saying like, did they did when they were investigating? Oh, it, when they were did investigating, they, could they tell it was like someone smaller versus a big person? You know, they knew that it was. Well, they knew that it was a kid that did this because one of the the main reasons they went down that road is this. Even in 1993, and I remember being told this all the time: like, don't get in cars with strangers don't talk to strangers McGruff the t- crime dog so if you're walking only three blocks away you're not going to deviate off your path unless you know someone who invites you somewhere you know you're not just it, it, this is in the middle of the day now these four blocks now the three blocks he walked there's houses on both sides of the street so if a guy in a van just runs up and carries his boy to the the park, the uh, baseball park where he was murdered. Like that just doesn't add up. No one's going to do that. It's too brazen in a small town like this. And there's you know, he's walking in front of homes. So that is one of the reasons they knew he was coaxed into going that way. Yes, that makes sense. So that was one of the big reasons. Plus, like the banana was squashed. It was like someone was throwing a tincture tantrum. That's what the crime scene looked like. You know, I mean, who squashes a banana? 
Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, it's, and, it's an odd detail. Yeah, and plus, I'll tell you, he he didn't get killed with like a knife or a gun. I mean, he got killed with a rock, and that is usually of kids' doings. You know, Maddie's believes nature is beautiful, majestic, serene, but human nature is inventive, intrepid, reckless. Nature says, "Look how many colors I can fit in a sunset." Human nature says, "Look how many hot wings I can fit in my mouth." But human nature needs nature. That's why there's Maddie's All Natural Acid and Indigestion Relief, a drug-free remedy for human nature, available at Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, and Amazon. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. So anyway, a little bit more about how he got caught. So when he's talking to police, they question him about not being able to see and how he can tell so much detail after the fact. Do they give him an eye test during his... They, well, they give him an impromptu eye test. But he says, quote, you think I killed him, don't you? The police responds, no. And then Eric Smith, the 13-year-old, says, quote, I'm not the type of person that would kill, hurt, or sexually molest anyone, end quote. That's what he said. Well, that's an interesting little detail at the end. Yeah. That wasn't previously released. Yeah. Wait, so was the child sexually touched? Yeah, I was going to get to that later, Whoa. but I'll, I'll get to that now. So the autopsy, severe head injuries, multiple skull fractures, cerebral swelling. He also had his pants were pulled down and there was a a tree limb, pretty large tree limb stuck inside of his anus. <gasps> and that is the sign of... That child was being molested. No, possibly, no, 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 no. Right? No, no it's, it's not... It's not molestation. It's it's like a sign of a, a dominant. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yep. A, it's a sign of a bully kind yeah. of thing. Does that make sense? Wow, that is aggressive, though, for such a... Well, so that's why they knew that it was another to kid. A, to a four-year-old, though? Like, honestly, like... But this I kid's understand. 13, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, you're... But he probably doesn't know. He, he didn't... They, they don't know... What really that meant? So I, at thir- at thirteen, you understand that you should not be sticking a stick up a no. I get it. Rectum. I get it. But when I was in Afghanistan and those places like that, I mean, have you ever read Kite Runner? Yeah, these kids would rape these little boys. the the boy The peer group would rape each other. So what I'm trying to say is, this situation wasn't like that. He wasn't molested for sexual pleasure. It was more of a you know, I'm doing this because I'm powerful type of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, yeah, it wasn't saying. any sexual premise of it. It was something, it's, you know, something else. No, you make a good point with the comparison of the Kite Runner, though. That's, it. it, it is, I mean, I can't explain how, what's going through the It's head, like kids will be kids. I know it's an extreme example, but, so, for instance, the crime scene, he also took Derek Robbie's Kool-Aid pre-made for the day and dumped it on his face kind of wow. thing stomped his bananas oh yeah that he is took uh, some childish things I, I, yeah exactly that's what i'm trying to say yeah. childish that's yeah. a good word for it like it's it's gruesome and it's cruel yeah but it's it's not the work of a 34 year old uh oh, you know tv repairman yeah. you know living in his mom's basement you know kind of shit yeah, yeah 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 it doesn't have that sexual it it is interesting how he's the this kid is doing things like stomping on bananas, pouring Kool Aid, and the taking it that that like a very extreme step of sticking yeah. a stick up his rectum. Yeah. So this is another picture of him right here. He's wearing a orange shirt, which is probably not the best choice to be wearing. Oh no! If you're a that redhead, clashes like that. very badly. Yeah. So he was actually living part time with a neighbor. Her name was Lori Elliott. He wasn't living with his family. Yes and no. Uh So he was staying with his grandparents. His father, his real father, left. And he's a few towns over, didn't pay child support. His stepdad was very abusive. 
the sister came out later and said she was molested by her stepdad and that he was as well, but he has always denied that from what I've seen. Which is interesting. That that's so kind he, of he most likely, I mean, let's be honest, you know, may have been. Well, that's what what I was initially thinking when you mentioned the the stick was that maybe like he was being dominant because he was abused himself. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, so that's probably what happened. He was definitely being verbally abused. I mean, obviously, this guy he's dead now, the stepfather, but he's not going to be like, no, you know, I, yeah, I was kicking the shit out of him. You right, know, who's going right. to do that? So anyway, he started living with Lori Elliott. She says, quote, I sort of took him in. He didn't have very many friends. I felt sorry for him. He was really withdrawn, end quote. The biological father, as I said, lives over in the next town in a trailer park. He refused to pay child support. And his mother's new husband, Ted, the stepdad, adopted him and was uh, violent to him and in the household. So here's some more about his personality. If you want to read this, this is from the Press and Sun Bulletin, September 12th, 1993. Even though the old man considered Eric his friend, Eric killed LeBaron's Siamese cat, Sam, about four years ago, choking it with a garden hose clamp, LeBaron said. I took a long time to forgive him, he said. So he is harming animals before he's doing this. So I'm going to kind of go through what happened according to the final confession by Eric Smith. So this was August 2nd, 1993, when four-year-old Derek Robbie, carrying his bag lunch, walks to the recreational program. Only minutes later, and this is on McCoy Street, near that, that baseball park, the Eric Smith, who was riding his bicycle, calls out, quote, Hey, kid prompting Derek to turn around. And at this point, Eric Smith admits to the police, and this is his own words. He says, quote, I knew I wanted to take him someplace and hurt him, end quote. When so he, he knew he wanted to do harm. He, he knew didn't he wanted to do premeditate harm, yeah. the murder, but... He didn't know he was going to murder, but he knew he wanted to, to hurt someone. So kind of like a bully that goes with the bully theory. The whole time he's walking him to his eventual death spot... He is reassuring him, it's okay, everything's going to be okay, we're just going to go over here and I want to show you something type of thing. That's kind of disturbing too. So what I'm reading now is from Eric Smith's appeal. As the boys reached a secluded area behind an overgrown hedgerow, the defendant put down his bicycle, let Derek go in front of him, and then reached around and choked Derek's neck with his right arm. Derek dropped his lunch bag and kicked his feet and swung his fist in an attempt to get away. The defendant, Eric Smith, started to release Derek in order to readjust his grip and choke Derek with his hands. But because Derek began to, quote, grasp some air, the defendant, quote, squeezed harder, end quote. After about 30 seconds, Derek no longer made any noise. So defendant, quote, figured he was dead. End quote, and laid him on the ground. When Derek again began gasping for air, defendant dumped Derek's lunch on the ground, picked up a paper napkin, and stuffed it into Derek's mouth. The defendant, th so very bully-ish, you know, very, very, very childish, you know. Eric Smith then attempted to stuff a plastic sandwich bag in Derek's mouth, but pulled it out when Derek bit his finger. Smith picked up a small rock, knelt over Derek, and struck him with it three times on the right side of the head. Picked up a large rock and with both hands threw it three times on Derek's head, then picked up another large rock and threw it twice onto Derek's chest and once into his midsection. At this point, Smith took the drink from Derek's lunch and poured it on Derek's face. He then pulled down Derek's pants, took a stick, flipped over Derek's body, and, quote, from him, put the stick up his butt, end quote. Smith flipped over the body again, dragged it several feet to a rock pile, and left the area on his bike. About five minutes later, the defendant returned to the scene to check the body because he wanted to, quote, double, triple check to make sure that the victim was dead. I was worried if he wasn't, there he might 
say something. However, I figured if he's dead and I believed he was, I won't have to worry about anything, end quote. That's interesting. So that is the whole play out of the scene. Quick that it happened. Eric Smith was coming home. He got kicked out of recreation. He's mad. Family life sucks for him. He's been held back multiple times, and which I'm going to get into his personality more here in a second. But he was in a rage. Sees the first person he can, four-year-old Derek Robbie, coaxes him over to the ballpark, chokes him in a kind of like a triangle choke behind his back, and then Robbie tries to get away, and then he throws him on the ground and just kills him. Did he have like temper tantrums a lot? I mean, it's kind of a kid thing. but Yeah, that's or... a really good question. We're going to get into that right now. He was actually diagnosed with intermittent explosive disorder. It's like a... Uh, Whoa, I've never heard of that it's before. It's like having like a, a rage fit kind of... Sh- it's like an anger outburst, but they're, they're like uh, random. Was he pre-diagnosed with this or after? No, this was been- after. This was after, before his trial. And Stephen T. Herman, MD, testified that at the time of the crime, defendant was suffering from a mental disease or defect, namely intermittent explosive disorder and dysenthic disorder, which is low-grade depression, that rendered him unable to control his rage and unable to understand or appreciate the nature and consequences of his actions. So tell me, tell me why this didn't hold water, that he has this intermittent explosive disorder. Because that would mean that all of a sudden he's raged out and he can't control it. Think about it. So... IED, as I'll call it, is very quick. Well, it, not only that, but I mean, it was it, it wasn't like it was random. He was already upset about the about being kicked out of the camp, perhaps like it was that was already something that was um, well, may so, have set him off. And then also his home life, you know. Well, no, I'm talking about like just it's kind of like being in psychosis. That's what the his defense was saying. He couldn't help it. All of a sudden he got triggered and Stay, stay out of his way. He is the Tasmanian devil. Is it because he kept on, he in his confession, he was telling the kid, like, it's going to be okay. There you go. So is he really in this rage fit that's going to just tear the whole world up when he's coaxing young Derek Robbie over there saying, it's all right, everything's going to be okay. Just come over. I want to show you. Like, how, how that. is that being, he's not in that rage right now. That's that's what the prosecution. Or it's kind of like he knows exactly what he's doing. It's there not like go, he's yeah. in blind It's rage. not like he's in psychosis or anything, right? So let me talk a little bit about his, his home life. And this is really important, even though they kind of downplayed it in the media. But I, I would like to bring this up because the birth mother at the time of the pregnancy took a drug called Timethodione. She took that for her epilepsy. Now, that drug was eventually pulled off the market and discontinued because it caused several cases of fetal damage. So there was disorders in the babies. They can't take it while they're pregnant. Interesting. But that's an epilepsy medicine. She needs that, you know? Right. So I don't know if there's a new one now. She was also taking... Mabaros, a depression medication. At 28 months, a pediatrician describes Eric Smith as, quote, a child who is stubborn and who has tinter tantrums at least daily, end quote. Is that normal or not? Tinter tantrums? Um, I mean, kids throw little tantrums all the time. I mean, yeah, I was, I was thinking about every that. Every time I'm on the Skyping or FaceTiming my sister, like, it's not like they're like having huge meltdowns, but like they want something they don't get they want. They cry a little yeah. bit and then they, you know, they get what they want. <laughs> like whatever. It's a cycle. It's like yeah. constantly. And that's all within an hour. Like they're all crying like three times in that span. Yeah. So a lot of with this case here and it's one of those cases where the judge and even the prosecutors and the defense attorneys, they have a different attitude about it because they're not looking at it like this sick monster who did this. They're looking at like there's two victims here. You know, one's a lot worse than the other, but it's a 13-year-old too that is now destroyed a family, destroyed his whole 
destroyed his own family. He destroyed his whole, whole future, you know? So it's like two victims almost. They're kind of looking at yeah. it like that. Yeah. So a lot of the the psychiatry notes do persuade the jury, especially these little things like he threw tincture tantrum, tantrums. You know what I'm saying? Because this isn't some child molester. This is a 13-year-old kid. And, and yeah, he was he may have bullied, but he was also bullied himself. He admits that multiple times. So, you know, I mean, I'm not sticking up for him, but I'm saying the jury and the judge looked at this a little diff- differently. It is hard because he you is know? so young. And did he... We talked about this too recently, Jen, too. Like, what, at what age do they really understand the finality of what it is mm-hmm. that they did? Mm-hmm. We were just talking about this. Yeah. Yeah, but so at age two and three, he was a frequent headbanger. So boom, boom. You hear kids banging their heads on the wall just all all day, you know. So he's listening to like screecher music. No, not like that. Just like no, he's actually hitting, hitting his, head his head against head. the wall. Yeah. Oh, like, okay. That's uh, not. Uh. I thought you just meant he was listening to oh, music. Yeah, that and, did, yeah. And... <laughs> he was. He banged his head repeatedly on the wall. Interesting. It, yeah. It's did like, he give himself a concussion? No, but it was. I've seen TBI. Other, I've seen other kids do that too. They just sit there. Honestly, like I, I'm, I'm probably out of bounds saying this, but I think autistic children sometimes have that problem where they just sit there and and move their head back know. and forth. I don't know. But that's, I mean, if you're if he's rattling his brain like that, I mean, that's he's not like other uh, uh, he's not breaking the wall. He's just no, he's just tapping over and over. It's like an OCD thing almost. I've seen this once before somewhere, like in a movie or in a documentary or something. So he also would hold his breath. Now, I used to do this when I was a kid, too. When I didn't get something I wanted, I'd be like, I'll just hold my breath until I die, you know? And then breathe through so your nose So I feel like a instead. lot of people did That's that. That's what Maddie did to me the other day. She's like, I can hold my breath for five minutes. And then she went, <laughs> and then I said, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So now we know where she got it from. Yeah. So, I mean, he was doing it like, oh, you're not going to give me what I want. I can't watch TV. I'm going to hold my breath until I pass out kind of thing. I used to do that, too. Right. But were you actually breathing through your nose the whole time? No. No. (laughs) But I would only hold my breath for like five seconds (laughs) as a kid. Anyway, so he he developed speech problems, which I had speech problems, too. I could could not pronounce my R's. So you had a Boston accent? I would say wabbit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I was like, wait, so you're telling me you had a Boston accent when you were a child? No. <laughs> so you could say, you couldn't say ka? Well, maybe you did say ka. That's, a, that's different. I don't know. So at age... His initial R's. So he had speech problems, and at the age of two, he still hadn't reached the normal milestones of being a two-year-old, you know? Mm-hmm. He couldn't hardly communicate very well. I mean, I know he's two, but at four... Four years old, he started getting attracted to girls, not like cooties, but, and I feel like this may be a home thing too. He's seeing this at home. His dad wasn't around, his stepdad. Obviously, there's domestic issues, even though they denied it. I mean, come on. One of the newspapers, and this kind of messed up, but they described the home, his home, Eric Smith's, and it was like a two story house. Lime green paint chipping off and a washing machine on the front porch. I was like, dude, that's <laughs> why'd you throw that in there? <laughs> and kind of like they would describe my house right now as yeah. a ranch, a brick, a brick ranch with red shutters, and then slightly off the side of the property line are some junky old sofas that the neighbor seemingly has thrown there. Yeah. To make it look like it's Jen's and not their own. <laughs> And there, that's totally what they're doing. He got attracted to girls at four years old. By the age of nine, he was a quote heavy smoker. Age of nine, damn, nine years old. I, I don't know. We used to have the candy cigarettes, yeah, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't smoke a cigarette at nine years old. I've never smoked a cigarette. I mean, maybe a joint, but oh my god, <laughs> at nine. no, at nine. I mean, maybe like eleven or twelve, but nine. I feel like that's the sort of thing that you would hear from like the seventies, not the freaking well. I've read you know late eighties. I read or some reports of some of the family members that he would go over and play with the kids with their kids and everything, and they would the parents would actually catch him digging in the ashtrays, and then when they asked him, "What are you doing?" Oh, I just need a cigarette on the ride home. You know, it's like, dude, you're addicted to cigarettes. What the fuck. 
crazy. Damn. I wonder if it's kind of like that with um kids and um vaping now. Like they get addicted oh, maybe. to it really, really young. Maybe. How old do you think they're doing it now? Like eight? Middle school. Yeah. Middle school, definitely. Eight? Uh, no, maybe I don't Maybe like know. 12. 10 to 12. Maybe. I mean, middle, middle school definitely is a, it's a problem. There was something I was watching on Netflix about it. But isn't that better it. than cigarettes? Well, uh, yes and no, because there's that, like, it's not going to fill your lungs with smoke and give you lung cancer, but it could also give you that lung disease that ever, all those kids were getting. Do you know the they put formaldehyde about. in those things? Yes. Yeah. It's still cancer causing. That's what they use to embalm people. Yeah. It's still terrible for you. Who the you. hell's going to put that shit so, in their but body? But the kids are like, oh, I would never touch a cigarette. And yet they're like vaping it's five like, times uh, a day. It's like that, uh, that uh, movie with Channing Tatum. And uh, they show up in this big muscle car going back to school. Oh, 21, oh, 21 yeah, yeah, Jump yeah. Street. And they get out and everyone's driving like Priuses. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> I have that movie. That's a great one. He's like, what do you think of the ride? Oh, it seems like you're <laughs> putting a lot of emissions in the air. I was like, What? <laughs> All right, so at the age of nine, he was a heavy smoker. He wet his bed until the age of 11 and was also fascinated with fire. Oh, he is the McDonald Triad. Yeah, so um, the McDonald Triad in 1963, this is from Psychology Today, forensic psychiatrist J.M. McDonald observed in a paper, The Threat to Kill, that these behaviors, which is harming animals, setting fires or having a fascination with fires and bedwetting often showed up in his most aggressive and sadistic patients. McDonald had compared 48 psychotic patients against 52 non-psychotic patients who all had threatened to kill someone. Just over half were male and they ranged in age from 11 to 83. So that's the McDonald triad. They got all three of those. Now, like, I mean, John JonBenet Ramsey wet her bed. You know, so she's not, but yeah, she's but not she a fire a starter either. No, she was killed. I know. What I'm trying to say is if you, if you're out there wet in your bed, you know. Right. That doesn't you, mean you're, you're a murderer, not a killer. But he's doing all three things and it's like escalation, right? So yeah. he's harming animals and then he's harming and, you know, killing a little boy. So what I think is really interesting about that is that he's, it's almost like everything he's done, he started so young, like yeah. smoking, his attraction to girls Killing. I think it's so. This is where it definitely his family environment has something to do with it. But I would almost wonder, like, I don't think this was a young and immature thing. I think this is like his his pattern. So I don't think this is just because he was yeah. young and didn't understand the finality of it. I think this is just like he's a really young, sadistic. So his kid, um his maybe? stepdad, his stepdad, which was apparently an awesome human being. Taught, sarcastic yeah okay yeah, taught taught little eric that when he gets in a rage because he's gotten trouble for bullying before and getting in fights so the stepdad taught him that when he gets in that rage to go outside in the backyard and hit a tree so once his sister remembers him coming back in completely bloody he was out there hitting the tree with his fist for an hour or two which isn't necessarily bad advice to like make sure you're channeling your rage. I mean, but I guess, man. I don't know. It's anyway. kind of like someone, I don't know, take it up. I don't know. Yeah, but that's the McDonald triad. We see that a lot. Not so much the fire thing, but I think they just haven't realized the joy of fire by that by that age. You yeah. say that like spoken like but, somebody who really yeah. enjoys playing with fire. But a lot of the animal abuse, a lot of the animal kills for for these serial killers here. So, and I don't have to tell you what he was doing. He obviously killed that one cat, the neighbor's cat. He would also kill birds and squirrels and stuff. Anyway, um he was he was drooling as he was speaking. This is him In trial? No, no, as a 13-year-old. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. He had a he so he had a speech impediment. He was he drooled as he would talk in normal conversation. He would constantly, and this I found this interesting, he would constantly call himself stupid, and he was held behind in the first and fifth grade, and that's because he was held behind. He actually told his sister, well, his sister asked him about that, because he would always be like, I'm stupid, I'm so stupid, which is very, that's not good, you know, that's, it's not a good uh, outlook to have, so it's just making him more angry, but even in his yearbook, 
he X'd out his own picture, not like with a marker, but kind of, you know, like with a, not a knife, but like a nail or something, kind of like tore the page, like crossed out his own picture because he, he wasn't, he wasn't good enough. That's what he said. Good enough Mm -hmm. to be in the yearbook. So it's a very negative outlook to have, man. That is sad. But then again, I mean, as you saw, which isn't a bad thing, but to him it was, you know, he is a redhead, a lot of freckles, wiry glasses. He has his weird looking ears, which that was one of his things that people made fun of him about. So he was kind of pushed around and bullied, you know. So I could see how he was like, I'm not, I don't look like everyone else. I'm not good looking. That's so sad. He also started reading a bunch of Stephen King novels, which, oh my God, at 13, man, those are some... I can't even I can't even Dude, read a Stephen King novel. I've never read... I, I started to read one the other day, the, the It. Mm-hmm, I just yeah. read it because I couldn't find anything else on my Kindle. But one of his big ones, The Stand, that's like his magnum opus or whatever, is 1,200 pages. <laughs> That's a big yeah. book. He would read these Christopher Pike books. So it's kind of like Stephen King. I put some. I put an image of the Christopher Pike books. I say the name sounds familiar. So he's like a Stephen King plus. Were go- these in the books? In the um... yeah, they're kids fiction. Oh, young okay, teen, okay, okay. young adult fiction. Mm. So the underlying themes in these books specifically is youth on youth violence. So he was reading a lot of these things. All right. So tell me, what do you think? Uh, what do you think should happen to this kid? I don't know if I, I necessarily agree that he should get life in prison because he was so young and maybe didn't realize his actions. But I would say 25 years. Do you think he's in prison now? No. So they gave him nine years to life. And he is currently still in prison. His last parole board was, I think, January 2020. His next one is October 2021. I think he'll get out, which I'm honestly okay with. Just do, do, do and I'm not the family member. Or so anything, he's so been just, in already 25 years, yeah. or so. And he's he's been denied for parole ten times or more already. He's been trying to get parole wonder, for a, a long time. Maybe he's I don't know. That's hard. So think about like his developmental years. Yeah, he's all, spending in prison. That's gonna be that's a hard transition too. I mean, not that he shouldn't be out, but maybe. Well, yeah, but all right, let me go through the parole hearing a little bit. And so this is some of the uh, transcripts. He said he initially wanted to go and file for parole, but he, quote, wasn't ready. That's what his own words were. Obviously, he I don't think he's a monster. And he's like, shit, I ruined my life and I killed this kid. He feels a lot of guilt. You can tell. Anyway. The parole board says, quote, why did you select him as a victim? He says he was there. He was vulnerable. I knew at the time I could overpower him. He talked about his bullying, stuff like that. He said at the time, quote, I shut down emotionally and that caused me to be insensitive to human life and I didn't value Derek's life, end quote. He says he now realizes the pain that he's caused everyone in the family. Quote, I realize I took a little boy who deserved to live, end quote. End quote. Had you planned this in advance to attack him, not him specifically? So I think that's why they gave him second degree murder because it wasn't, it was premeditated. Well, I don't think it was premeditated, but it was, he was a random victim. If it was another boy walking by, he would have killed them, the other boy walking by. Yeah. So he says, quote, at the time I started shutting down emotionally, I would think in my head the individuals in school who were picking on me and stuff as I was shutting down in my own head. I told myself that when I get older and I could defend myself, I'm going to beat you up or do some physical violence to you because that's how I felt. And that helped me shut down to where I devalued life as a whole, end quote. When asked if he's going to return to Savannah, if he gets let out, he says, obviously not. Due to the fact that it's the same town that I committed my crime, I would probably go to a shelter or halfway house, end quote. So he's been trying to get parole for a while. He says, I also realized that had I been released earlier, I wouldn't have been ready because emotionally I was, wasn't connected. So having been denied parole five previous times, now this is a few years back, he's been, he's been denied like 12 times. 
I'm not opposed to that because I realized that I wasn't ready. Don't think I am going to be a hindrance upon release. I value my life and I value Derek Robbie's life, even though I took it. I understand the weight behind the pain that I've caused and that's caused me to know with certainty that I don't want to hurt anybody and I want to give back, end quote. So he wants to be a forensic psychiatrist when he gets out. I wonder if he is ever let out, if he would be considered a sex offender. Uh, no, I don't think so. Was it, wasn't he, a sexual, he wasn't, it wasn't a sexual crime. He wasn't, like, that was not one of his charges. Yeah, it wasn't his them. charge. He only got charged for second degree murder. I mean, only, that's like, you know. And that's one of the things, too, because if it was a child molester that did this, they would have charged him with everything, freaking driving to, I mean, they, they want to get him with everything, but this case, you know, they probably could have charged him a lot more, but they didn't. He says he has remorse. What I'm reading now is the Star Gazette from July 2nd, 2006. It says, I have remorse. If you want to uh, read, if you want to read this. In the hearing transcript, Smith expresses interest in becoming a forensic psychologist. The only thing I can do for myself and for other people is to have get to have an opportunity to help others not commit crimes, Smith told the parole board. There's nothing I can really say to diminish it, Smith said. I know it was a serious crime. I've taken responsibility for it. I wish I had never committed this crime. I do regret it. I have remorse for the victim and the victim's family. So he's still in parole. I think he, I think he may get it. I mean, I'll, I definitely want to. I'm surprised he hasn't at this point, actually, a little bit since it's already been like 25 years. Yeah. Which well, kind of pissed me off. I mean, it was nine to life. Like, why would he even go nine? Like, were you really going to let him out at nine years? He would have been uh, like 21 or something. Like, were you really going to let him out? I don't think so. Hey, I had a question and I want you guys to answer this on talkmer.com on the blog, because I really want to know. A four-year-old gets murdered. Seven days go by before they find out it's a teenager that killed the boy. Does it make you feel better that it's a teenager or worse? For, for instance, for me, it's, it's almost like, it's almost better that a teenage teenager killed him. Because, you know, a child molester or someone like that does that sound bad? I don't mean it to sound bad, but well, I think it's I I kind of agree with you. It's almost like he, the killer maybe didn't even know what he was yeah. doing. It was almost not that he, like he knew what he was doing, but maybe didn't really understand the finality of it. Whereas like an adult doing that to a child feels su- even it more. It just evil. feels more evil and yeah, dirty, right? Yeah, yeah. I think too, it would depend on the circumstances of the death. Yeah. So yeah, I mean. I, you know, I've been to countries where, I mean, kids are brutal here too, but like in Afghanistan, these kids are raping each other. And it, I don't think it's a sexual thing over there. It's, it's some power thing too. It's like a bully. I mean, I'm not a bully, so I don't know. I guess whatever power you bullies get, what you feel. I mean, putting a stick up someone's quote, butt, like he said, that's, that's extremely degrading and I feel like you're really kicking someone when they're down. You know what I'm saying? Mm, it's a good way of putting you're it. Real tr- you're really trying to just lift yourself up by putting that person down. It's almost further. like you're trying to embarrass yeah. the person in the worst and most shameful way. Yeah. I don't know. This whole case kind of seemed really childish. And obviously the reason I want to cover it is because it was a 13-year-old and, you know, it's trying to figure out why he did it but he never he never said why he did it i don't think he knows why he did it i think honestly i think he was a product of his environment man i think his i mean he wasn't even living full-time with his freaking parents the dad didn't pay child support the you know the mother has a step-boyfriend that's or step-husband that's beating him he's spending most of his time at someone else's house kind of like a stray you know what I'm saying? It is one of the very few times where we're like we, you know, nature versus nurture and all that yeah. stuff. And and I think there was the that one case that we just did 
did a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, where it was like the one time where the kid had a great childhood upbringing. Remember that? What was it? That's a lot of cases. I know. Well, I feel like a lot of times we hear about the abuse that that like they killers come from really terrible upbringing. So I think it shows what you do and say and how you treat your kids matters. You know, it does. Yeah. But anyway, that's this tragic story of little four-year-old Derek Robbie. If you want to see those photos and what he looks like now, go to talkmurder.com. It's episode 218. And thank you guys for listening Talk Murder to me. If you guys don't know, we put out episodes every Tuesdays and Fridays. These Friday episodes are a little less dense. I don't research them as much. And I pull a lot of it from old newspapers. But the Tuesday stories are pretty well-researched. And they're all accurate. It's just They're all well-researched. Don't sell yeah. yourself short. But that is the story of Eric Smith and the murder of four-year-old Derek Robbie. And I hope you guys enjoyed that. Anyway, my name is John. Until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. At Huntington, we've been asking ourselves, can we make saving money any easier? And we think we've solved it. Introducing Money Scout. It analyzes your spending habits, income, and expenses to find money not being used in your checking account, then pushes it to savings automatically. Why would a bank do that? Just to help people thrive. That's how we reinvent banking. Huntington, welcome. Subject to eligibility, terms, conditions, and account agreements. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash Money Scout. Nobody makes lemonade like Mike's. Introducing Mike's Hard Lemonade Seltzer, the only hard lemonade seltzer made by lemonade experts. It's crisp, refreshing, full-flavor hard lemonade seltzer. 100 calories, 1 gram of sugar, and gluten-free. The 12-can variety pack includes four refreshing flavors, lemon, strawberry, mango, and pineapple. Nobody makes lemonade like Mike's. Please drink responsibly. Hard seltzer with flavors. Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.